All right, grab your Bibles, please. Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And we're getting to the end of these miracles that Jesus had recorded by Matthew in uh, Matthew's Gospel. And we talked about there's some 39 different miracles that Jesus did that are specifically recorded. Uh, Again, we will look and see that Jesus healed many that we don't have the specifics on. So... Uh, There are thousands and thousands of healings and miracles that Jesus did that we just don't have details on. But there are specifically ones chosen to be uh, recorded by the different gospel writers. And Matthew had chosen one specifically to represent Jesus Christ as the promised Messiah to Israel. Okay, And that has been his focus. We have seen the last couple of the ones that we've covered uh, that Mark and Luke had also covered them and gave us a lot more details okay and they gave us specifics on the different individuals and how they interacted with the lord matthew's focus was never there matthew's focus was basically to tell the jewish people that this is what jesus did period because it fulfills what the old testament had said messiah would do okay and again just using it over and over and We're going to look, and the reason I bring this out is because at the end of these couple of miracles that Matthew deals with, the focus is deliberately about the children of Israel, okay? And the picture here, last week we saw this amazing uh, imagery that God gave us that he resurrected Jairus' daughter, remember? She was dead, okay, and Jesus went in and her spirit came back within her. He brought her back to life, and we saw that before, in all three gospel recordings of this individual uh, instance, that God had to deal with an issue of blood before he got to the resurrection. So, and again, every single part of what God's word says is very specific, and we're going to look at that in a minute, that this woman who had an issue of blood shows up in the middle of it. Jesus didn't stop. He didn't take a time out. He, didn't, he knew what was going to happen. But God makes sure that this blood issue is dealt with before the resurrection happens. Okay, So Jesus is traveling on his way, and this woman happens to be there. Again, again, God knew what was going on. God had it all worked out. But even that in itself is patterned. Okay, and we're going to look at something else today that's the same way, that there's a deliberate action by Jesus in regards to this miracle that he's going to do that make it seem odd. But nothing in God's word is odd. Everything has a purpose. Okay, and we're going to look at that today, okay? And we're going to see God picturing the children of Israel through these last two miracles that we're going to look at, all right? So if you're with me, we made it to Matthew chapter 9. And let us go ahead and start reading in verse 28, please. Or, excuse me, verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was come into the house, 
the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able to do this? And they said unto him, Yea, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man knoweth it, or know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. Let's pray. Father, help us as uh, we look to your word. Lord, be with my mind. Uh, help me to share those things which you can use best by your Holy Spirit to nudge us in the right direction. Father, thank you for the picture here. Thank you for the understanding of Israel at the moment. And this is a big thing going on in our world right at this present moment. And Father, you, uh, you use this illustration, both this miracle and the following one, to talk about the state of Israel in this present world. And so, Father, I just pray that you would uh, help us as we look through this, help us to understand our faith, our trust in your word, and our ability to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, we talk about Matthew had chosen miracles specifically, and we had the list of miracles up there. This is the second page. Go back one. So we saw the leper, the centurion's servant, Peter's mother-in-law, power over the universe. We saw power over hell and uh, the forces of evil. Next slide. Okay, one sick of the palsy, the ruler's daughter, that was Jairus' daughter we just talked about, and the woman having the issue of blood. Well, the first miracle we're looking at today is the two blind men, and we just read that. So uh, keep going. They knew that he was the son of David. Now this is an admittance, okay, and Matthew is very careful to point this out. They address him as thou son of David. That is, in Jewish terminology, calling him Messiah. Okay, so I want to make sure that that's clear. Uh, all through the Old Testament, it is understood that Messiah would be the son of David, that he would sit on the throne of David, all right? So when you see this addressed as son of David, they are calling out to him and saying, Messiah, please. Okay, so I wanted to make that clear. Just so you know, it's common uh, to the people who knew this, Jesus, the, most folks. We're going to see this as we're reading through Matthew come up again several times. Several of the other Gospels, when the common folk address him, they are going, this is Messiah, this is son of David. You know the ones who didn't believe that and didn't want to admit that? Were the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious leaders. They didn't want to hand over their authority to somebody else. Okay? They had problems with it. The common folks didn't, and we're going to see this more often. All right, Keep going. Okay, just to give you a, a couple of verses, in the Old Testament you see this all over the place, but we just touch base on a couple. We're going to read this verse probably, you're going to hear it on the radio, hear it on televisions and everything else, because it's Christmas time, right? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. And his name shall be Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and he shall reign for... Anyway, uh, keep going. And the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it 
with judgment and justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform it. Okay, he will sit on the throne of his father David. So when they call him, thou son of David, they are calling him Messiah. Okay, in fulfillment of these Old Testament things. Matthew again addresses this. Keep going, next slide. Matthew chapter 12, we'll be there in a couple of weeks. When they brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and the dumb both spake and saw, and the people were amazed and said, is this not the son of David? Okay, so I want us to understand, when you see that terminology in the Bible, they're like, isn't this guy the Messiah, son of David? It's synonymous for what we're talking about. Keep going. Matthew chapter 21. I think we know this one. We celebrate this one. The big next holiday that comes up in our calendar, right? We got Christmas, and that's, uh, you know, you talk about uh, church folks who are Easter and Christmas people. Yeah, that's when they show up. Well, Christmas, we just saw it, and here in Easter, right? Palm Sunday. Every great, and uh, a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and straw them on, uh, in the way. And the multitude went before and followed, crying, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed be, is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Okay, oftentimes we don't read from this one. We read from one of the other gospels. And it just says, you know, Hosanna, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Here, Matthew makes sure he says, thou son of David. Okay, this is a, a term that is in recognition of whom Jesus was as Messiah. Keep going. Mark. Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how say the scribes that Christ is the son of David? Jesus himself asked the questions. He says, uh, I'm going to ask you a question. When the scribes are teaching, why do they say that Christ, Messiah, is the son of David. So even Jesus himself is saying, guys, let's look at the scripture and see why. Okay, so if you want to go back and read that chapter, Jesus get, delves into this a little bit. Amen? But the term is only used in the New Testament by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. After that, once it gets the church epistles... When it gets to the pastoral epistles, when it gets to some of the other uh, books of prophecy and things like that, you don't find this phrase, Son of David, used anymore. You want to know why? Because the epistles and everything else is written to the church, not to the Jews. Again, it's important that we understand how the scripture fits together. All right? So the Gospels use this term, Son of David, because it is still before Jesus died, right? The New Testament hasn't taken place yet. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. We've reminded ourselves that a New Testament, a testament only comes to forth after the death of the testator, right? A will and testament doesn't mean anything until somebody dies, okay? So this is why it's important. One, it is, again, we're talking about a Jewish audience for a Jewish purpose. Well, anyway, back to the subject. These two blind fellows are following behind him, crying out, son of David. Well, there is no question of what they are asking, they are saying, Messiah, would you please heal us too? All right, so I wanted that to be understood. Now, keep going. This is the part that I told, said that every piece of God's word is important. Okay? They followed Jesus crying, and he just kept on walking. 
Now think about that for a minute. We just saw the head of the, excuse me, not the head, but one of the leaders of the synagogue show up and ask Jesus to come to his house and heal his daughter. And Jesus got up and went to the house. Okay, on the way he meets this woman. Well, this time these fellows are following behind him, crying out for them to be healed, and Jesus doesn't stop. Jesus just keeps right on walking until he gets to the house. Okay, well, Jesus was just being rude then, you know. Uh, He must have just been distracted, right? Or, Or these two guys weren't that important. No, every piece of God's word has an important meaning behind it. And Jesus makes it to the house because that is an important imagery. Okay, in the Bible, the word house often refers to Israel. How many of you have ever heard the phrase, the house of Israel, the house of Judah? Okay, throughout the Bible. Now, I will clarify this. Not always. If it says they went to the house of Philip, well, then that was Philip's house. Okay, if it says they went to the house of Simon Peter, if they went to the house of this person... That's talking about that person's house. But oftentimes when it just says the house, and it doesn't doesn't tell you whose house it was. We just read the passage. It says Jesus just kept on walking until he got to the house. Well, whose house? It doesn't matter whose house because that's not the important part. Okay, down through the scriptures, when the Bible uses the phrase the house, it is a picture of the children of Israel. Okay. Because God God never refers to us as Gentiles as the house of the Gentiles. Okay, this is a phrase that is used specifically to point back to Israel. That's important here, okay? But rather, I go to the house. Look at Hebrews chapter 8, verses 8 and 10. For finding fault with them. Now, before I go any further, uh, the book of Hebrews was written to who? The Jews, okay? So just, again, clarification how important to understand we've been hammering this every time we look at the book of matthew that matthew's focus is addressing the jewish people about jesus so we're seeing this phrase not only son of david but this picture of the house of israel because it is a jewish concept for finding fault with them he said behold the day has come saith the lord when i will make a new covenant with the house of israel and the house of judah okay both Jewish identities. With me? Okay, look at verse 10. For this covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and will write in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to be a people. Okay, so both times in this passage we see God addressing and making it clear that this is a Jewish message that is being focused on here. Son of uh, David and this house of Israel concept, this picture. Why is that important? Glad you asked me. Sermons would go a lot quicker if you'd stop asking me questions. The two miracles that he is about to deal with are people who are blind and people who are dumb. And both of these are associated and pointed to the children of Israel at this time. And that's why this is important. Okay, now if it were me, okay, I would have finished up all these miracles in Matthew with the resurrection of the little girl. Wouldn't that be the one that's the the wow factor? 
And as believers in Jesus Christ, as people who are Christians who trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection is the pinnacle moment, isn't it? That's the one that you're like, yes! That's not what Matthew does. Matthew goes ahead and says, you know, dealt with blood, then there's the resurrection, and then he goes back and looks at Israel and says, but they're blind and they're dumb. They don't get it. They don't see it. And this is why this is important, the way, even the order that these miracles are laid out. It's so specific. So Jesus wanders into the house, and these poor guys continue to follow him crying until he gets there. And once he gets in the house, then he deals with their problem. Okay, Again, very specific. Jesus could have just turned around right there and talked to him, couldn't he? But he specifically made it to the house first. All right, now let's keep going. Oh, wait, go back to that. Just so we understand it, it's not found, it's only found in Matthew, Hebrews, and Acts. And you know where in Acts it's found? When Peter on a day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 was standing up in Jerusalem when all the, the Jews from all those different nations showed up and Jesus preach, uh, Peter preaches this whopper of a sermon to a crowd of all Jews when we see this term. So you look up this idea of house of Israel. It is a term used specifically for Jews. Now I will tell you there's one other time in Acts where the word house of Israel is used and that's just because they're quoting from Amos. Okay, But every time you see this house of Israel and this picture of a house pointing back, it is a Jewish theme. So we're getting this concept here. So get it. Just saw the resurrection. Just saw the blood dealing with it. And Matthew goes and says, okay, but wait, there's blind and dumb. Okay, I keep going. This is an illustration of the blindness of Israel. Where does Israel stand when it comes to salvation and Jehovah and their Messiah? They're blind right now. Their Messiah has come. God has provided everything that was needed. Jesus here, all of Matthew, I hate to keep going back to this phrase, but Matthew has been reminding them over and over that this is Messiah. He has come. But look what it says in Romans. For I would, brethren, let me try that again. I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceit. He's talking to us as Christians, and he says, that blindness in part has happened to Israel till the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. So we just saw this picture of the resurrection. It's like, yes! But Matthew says, but you know what? The Jews are blinded to this. And Paul reminds us. And you wonder what's going on with Israel right now and the condition that they're in. And you hear the Israelis speak and sometimes it breaks my heart. I know we pray for them and there are brothers in uh, and sisters, because they have a faith in Jehovah God, but they're missing such a big piece in that their Messiah has come. I'm going to finish this. Jesus, I mean, they, they do a great job the way this is laid out. Okay, But he says they're blind right now. Why? Because God's dealing with us. Now, I don't know about you, I'm kind of happy that God decided to sidestep Israel for a minute so that we, the Gentiles, can receive Christ as Savior. It says, till the fullness of the Gentiles come in. You and I are believers in Christ. We have faith and guaranteed position with God because Israel didn't see their Messiah. 
And Jesus turned to the Gentiles. Hallelujah for that, but keep going. Look at 2 Corinthians. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel should not be not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, keep going, but their blind uh, their minds were blinded for until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. He says, you know what? They still have blindfolds on. They're blinded. But even to this day, when Moses is read, the veil is still upon their hearts. Keep going. Oh, okay, we can stop there. That's the next point. He, there, even Paul's saying, listen, Moses put a veil over his face because they couldn't see it. They still can't see it. Israel is blind at this point. Messiah has come, but their hearts are blind. They don't see the fact that their Savior has been here already. Okay, and that's the point that's being made here. Now, according to your faith, be it unto you. Now, I want to deal with this, and we talked about this last week. Please understand something. little commercial that Jesus puts in when he deals with people. We do not have to be ginned up emotionally with faith okay you don't have to work up more faith oh if i could just get enough faith to believe that's not how faith works faith is god said it i believe it that's it okay how many of you have people you trust how many of you have people you don't trust how come more hands went up with the people we don't trust? Everybody went, oh yeah, I got people I don't trust. Okay? You have faith. You don't have to, okay, wait, wait. All right, I'm going to get, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work up my trust in this person. You know what? Okay. Yeah, I trust them more now. But sometimes in Christianity, that's how we handle this. Like, man, if I could just, you know, when it talks about adding to your faith, it doesn't mean you have to add more faith to your faith. It means you add to your faith virtue. You add to your faith knowledge. You add to your faith temperance. Virtue. All those things. You already have faith, with this, which is a complete trust in God. But we don't have to go, oh, you know, if maybe more people, I could lead more people to Christ if I just got more faith. So, you trust in God, I, don't, I mean, you can, I guess, trust in God more, but my faith is faulty anyway. I love the verse where it says that we live by the faith of the Son of God, not in the Son of God. I don't have to have great faith. I just have to believe that what God said he's going to do. So, so many people are like, man, I just got to work up more faith, and then this will happen. Well, then you're basing the entire thing upon you, aren't you? And not upon God. I don't care how little your faith is. Trust him. Because he's going to do what he promised. How many times have we read passages in the scripture where Jesus says, Oh, ye of little faith. But you know what I love about that? Even after he says, Oh, ye of little faith, he still did what he said he was going to do. You know, the ship is sinking, and they say, oh, ye, oh, Jesus says, you got little faith. And Jesus says, yeah, but peace be still. The point is, they just needed to trust him because he's going to do what he's going to do. That's why these guys, it's great. Jesus says, according to your faith, 
Now, when you read this, it doesn't mean I'm going to heal you the same amount of your faith. Jesus says, you have faith, so now I'm going to heal you. He doesn't say, well, you know, I could have healed you to have 20-20 vision, you blind guys. But uh, no, I'm not. I'm going to give you okay vision, but your eyes are going to be... No. Well, you didn't have enough faith for 20-20 vision. So I'll heal you, but you're going to need glasses the rest of your life. No, Jesus said, you had faith. Cry out to me, Messiah, please. And Jesus, they said, you want, you want this thing done to you? And they said, yes, Lord. And Jesus said, good. I can heal you because you got faith. Not this much faith to this much faith. That's the part that's cool about this. There are days that my human brain doesn't have a whole lot of faith emotionally. How about you? When I read about the things that are going on in this world and get reports about the atrocities that just happened, I'm shaken that people in this world could actually carry out some of these disgusting things. And when I see that state after state after state were voting a certain way just so that they can murder babies. That's the hinge point right now. And again, I'll say it, and I want to beat this into people's head. Abortion ends life. There is no other alternative. So, so much of the votes that have come down in the last week were based upon the fact that we want to end lives. Period. That shakes my faith. That makes me think, Lord, what is happening in this world? But you know what? I don't have to have great faith to say, God, you are absolutely 100% in control, and I know you are going to have your will. It is not based upon how I'm feeling today. There are other days where you see something awesome happening, and you're like, yes, Lord, you can do anything. And that's the world, hallelujah. But it's not every day, is it? And you know, there's whole groups of Christians who live that life. They're up one day, down one day, up one day, and everything could be accomplished. And it's just like manic Christianity. God is great and everything can be happening. And the next day something happens, oh, woe is me. I hope I can get enough energy to pray for a minute. Snap out of it. It's not based upon how we feel. It's based upon who he is. Son of David, Messiah. Lay your trust in him. He'll take care of it. It's awesome. All right, keep going. Uh, no, faith, oops, I'm sorry. I meant keep going that way. No, faith is believing the word of God is, an emotion, it is not an emotional state. They believed he was Messiah and that he could heal. And you know what? He did. How awesome is that? All right, keep, now keep going. And he says again, see that you tell no man. And as we're reading through the Gospels, Jesus continually says this to people. Listen, don't go tell anybody. Why? Because Jesus didn't want to be known as the miracle worker. He didn't want to be known as the dog and pony show. He didn't want people to gather around for a circus. He was trying to present himself as Messiah 
the fulfiller of the scriptures. And we're going to look at that in just a minute, okay? But I want it to be understood. You know, you think, from a Christian's point of view, didn't Jesus tell us that we're supposed to go and preach the gospel to every creature? That when God does something for us, we're supposed to go and spread that message to everybody we can? Yeah, that's us as a Christians with the message of redemption. Jesus was not seeing that message. He was just seeing people gather around him for a show. Okay? And again, yes, thousands of people were healed, but there were also Pharisees and Sadducees and all these other critics just waiting for him to mess up, waiting for him to heal somebody on the Sabbath. <gasps> Jesus was saying, listen, this is not why I'm here. This is a picture of the fulfillment of what I'm supposed to do at the will of God, but I'm not here to heal everybody because you know what? He didn't heal everybody. Right? Jesus is the perfect Messiah, Son of God. If he came here to heal, then everybody would have been healed, right? Or he would have failed. He didn't come to heal everybody. He came as Messiah. Just the healings that he did was to point to the fact that he was fulfilling Scripture. Hang with me on that thought. Okay. Next slide. Miracle of the possessed dumb man. Now again, as much as I'd like to use that phrase the way we do colloquially today, what are you, dumb? Okay, this spoke about deaf or mute people is what this meant. And I meant, probably most of us know that. Okay, when the scripture uses the phrase dumb, it doesn't mean mentally incompetent the way we use it today. Okay, it means they were unable to speak or unable to hear. It was a communication issue that was going on. All right? Keep going. Uh, let's read the passage before we look at the rest of it. Starting in verse 32. <coughs> and they went out. Behold, uh, as they went out, behold, they brought him uh, to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake. And multitudes marveled, saying, it was never so seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out devils through the prince of devils. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye the Lord, uh, therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Okay, so we see when he's talking about a dumb person, this isn't someone lacking intelligence, it's someone who could not hear or speak. Again, this is a picture of Israel. We saw they were blind. Well, right now, they're also dumb. Okay? Bible teaches some physical issues can be because of demon possession, but not all. I dealt with this the other day. This is a very sensitive subject. There are some Christians in this world who try to teach you that every time someone's sick, it's because there's a demon bothering them hogwash okay we are sick because we live in a broken corrupt uh, 
creation. Okay? However, the Bible makes it very clear that there are some sicknesses that are directly related to spiritual interference. Okay, so I want to make it clear. Please don't, uh, you know, God says a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. Don't go either side of this, right? You know, well, they don't need to go to a doctor. They need to go that, get that demon of toothache cast out of their body. Oh, how many times I've heard that moronic discussion. Okay. It ain't no demon of an ingrown toenail. Okay. It's because... We're in a broken system. We're in bodies that are dying. This whole creation is fallen. It groaneth and travaileth in pain. That's why we have sickness. Okay, so please, if you run into anybody who acts that way, that is not biblical. However, there are times where our medical system will look over the fact that there is a spiritual warfare going on. I said this to my wife the other day, and again, I'm not pleased. This is re being recorded. I don't want to make a generalization. But why is it that people who have Tourette's syndrome, now if you know who people who have Tourette's syndrome is, they burst out with, they can't control their speech, and they have tics and things like that. Why is it that so many of them, the tics and the, and the, the things that blurt out of their mouth are awful cuss, terrible things, evil demonic things that are being said. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a medical condition for that, but why is it that so often it's foul language and awful, terrible things that are spoken when they're out of control of themselves? Now, please, I'm telling you this is a very, very gray area, shady area, because there are some people who truly have mental problems and they are physical, chemical, I get it. But the Bible makes it clear that there are some times when a person has physical problems in their bodies because of a spiritual warfare that is going on. And this is one of those instances. Because as soon as Jesus healed this man of the demon possession, now he could talk. He wasn't dumb anymore. Okay? Please understand that. I wanted to cover this carefully. Just like last week we looked at the fact that it wasn't because a woman walked up and touched a piece of cloth that she was healed. Oh, I just need a piece of cloth that Jesus had and everything will be fine. No, that's ritualism. It was about her faith and Jesus made ahead, went ahead and turned around and said, your faith has made you whole. It's always about the faith. Okay, just trying to be careful as we look at this. So, keep going. The picture is now Israel is deaf and mute. Without getting into a whole long other part of a sermon, from the very beginning, when God called the children of Israel out, when God called Abram out of the Ur of the Chaldees, his purpose was Israel would reach the rest of the world with the message of Jehovah. It has never changed. Israel in the fullness would bring forth Messiah who would be the one who would take care of the sins of the world. But it wasn't that Israel was begun to just be Israel and leave everybody else alone. 
Israel's job was always to speak of Jehovah. How many times have we read about the stranger that dwelleth among you? When the stranger comes in, you share with them, you show them all the things. God has always wanted Israel to be the mouthpiece about salvation. The problem is they stopped doing that too. They became dumb, deaf, and unable to speak. They stopped sharing with the rest of the world what God had planned and it was sad, all right? Romans chapter, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel, or pray to God for Israel, is that they might be saved. Listen, I bear them record. They have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. Paul says, listen, I, I'd love to see my brothers and sisters of Israel, Jews, get saved because they have this amazing zeal, but they don't have any knowledge. They're dumb. Keep going. Same chapter, a couple of verses later. But I say, have, not, have they not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went into the earth and their words were to the ends of the world. But I say, did not Israel know? First Moses saith, I will provoke you to jealousy that by them that are of no people and by foolish, a foolish nation I will anger you. Just want you to know, if you didn't catch that, we are the nation who are no people. He's talking about God would use Gentiles to nudge Israel to do what they're supposed to do. Keep going. But Isaiah is very bold and saith, I was found of them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hand unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Again, this is picturing Israel. Not only are they blind, but they're deaf and dumb. They're not sharing the gospel. They're not listening to the word. They're not getting the picture, that the plan that God has designed from the very beginning. Keep going. Romans 8.11. We'll be there I think in the next couple of weeks, too, a reference for this. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that should not see and ears that should not hear unto this day. Continue to keep our brothers and sisters as uh, not in Christ, but believers in Jehovah God in prayer because their eyes aren't open. Their heart is veiled. They're deaf. They're blind. They don't see that Jesus Christ, their Messiah, has come. That's what this is all about. When we get to this resurrection and woohoo, and then God says, but let me talk for a minute. I want to picture something. As much as Israel should be receiving their Messiah, they're blind, they're dumb. They don't see it. To the point where you want to talk about dumb, go to the next slide. Matthew, the Pharisees say, oh, this, is, this devil is being cast, cast out by the prince of devils. It's so bad that they want to call him a son of Satan. All the prophecy of the Old Testament talks about these amazing miracles that Jesus, Messiah, Christ would do. And Israel is so blind and so dumb that they say, this must be a child of Satan that's doing this work. Man, do they have their, their eyes blindfolded to the truth. Now, keep going. 
Jesus preached the gospel of the kingdom. And uh, we end up this chapter with a, an amazing two verses about the harvest being white. And that he send forth laborers. And chapter 10, Jesus actually sends laborers into the harvest. Okay, but Jesus says, listen, I came here for a purpose. I'm preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Okay, he's doing those things that would confirm that he is Messiah. Please, this is all what Matthew has been focusing on this whole time, and this is why it's important we get this picture to understand Matthew's perspective. Look what it says here. Next chapter, I mean, we'll be in chapter 10, chapter 11. Jesus answered and said unto them, this is when John sends his disciples to talk to Jesus about what's going on. Are you the one who's really supposed to be coming? Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have been given the gospel preached to them. Jesus is saying, you want to know if I'm the Messiah? I'm doing everything that the Old Testament said Messiah should do. Keep going. John chapter 5, verse 33 through 39. Longer passage, but bear with me. And he sent unto John, same kind of idea, okay, reporting back to John, all these miracles that Jesus is doing, What's the purpose? He bear witness unto the truth. Now, this is John. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees, saying, John was here, guys. You weren't listening. Look what it says. But I received not a testimony of man, but these things I say that ye might be saved. He, John the Baptist, was a burning and shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have a greater witness than that of John. For the works which my Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me, that the Father has sent me. And the Father himself which has sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his shape. And ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent... Him ye believe not. Search the scriptures, for in them ye, uh, ye think ye have eternal life. And they, are, uh, and they are they which testify of me. So Jesus says exactly what Matthew's point is. He says, you want to know who I am? What are the works I'm doing? And he says, go back and search the scriptures. The problem is you don't believe the word of God. If you had faith and truly put your faith in the word of God, you would know that I'm Messiah. Because the works that I'm, and this is again, why Jesus is saying, go, don't go tell everybody about these miracles I'm doing, because I'm not the miracle worker. The miracles are here to prove that I am Messiah. That has always been his focus. So anytime you read that thing, that's Jesus says, listen, don't go tell anybody about what happened. It's not because Jesus is not wanting to deal with more people. Right after that, he heals a whole bunch more. But Jesus didn't want to say, come to me because I'll take care of all your sickness. He says, no, I'm here to do the works that my father said I would do. And my father in the Old Testament say, I would heal the lame and, you know, help the dumb to speak, raise the dead. I would do all these things to prove who I am. Jesus' focus and Matthew's focus about Jesus 
Again, I would have ended with the resurrection of the little girl. But he goes back and says, you Jews who are listening to me, you're blind, you're dumb, because you don't understand that this man Jesus has fulfilled all that the Old Testament has said. He is here doing the works that, Jesus, that God the Father said he would. Search the scriptures. Where's your faith? Keep going. Oh, yeah. The works bear witness of him, and the scripture told him and us. <clears throat> and so I know we're not a bunch of Jews here. And I know this passage is dealing a lot with speaking directly to the Jews. But the theme is the same. The word of God says things. Do we believe what it says? Because that's faith. Well, you know, I've got to work myself up in, in, to believe in that. No, it's not an emotional thing. It's either you believe it or you don't. Do you trust him or don't trust him? Now, with all that in mind, all this stuff about, oh, they're blind, they're de Jesus ends with this command, and this hasn't changed. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. So you and I, we sit here, we talk about this, say, those poor Jews who don't know, know that their Messiah has come. Well, those poor Christians who the Messiah has come and we're not going out and telling people about it. Because are we hearing the word or are we deaf? Are we speaking the word? Or are we dumb? Next chapter, Jesus separates the 12 and says, I'm going to send you out to preach the gospel. Keep in mind, if you want to read this ahead of time, and I encourage you, okay? And you know, everybody know where Dan is going to be next week, so you can read ahead in 2 Timothy. It's always a good idea. Okay, you read this. Jesus sends these group of, of men out to only the house of Israel, not to the Gentiles yet. The message is still being preached to just the Jews. You and I have an opportunity to go out and share the gospel with this whole world. It's not limited to just Israel. We get a chance to share it with everybody who needs to hear it. The harvest is plenteous. How's your faith? Do you believe God's word? It is in your heart? Is it in your mouth? Because I'll tell you what, I look at this, and again, as much as I'd like to throw Israel under the bus because they had thousands of years of God's word and his promises and they messed up, how many uh, years has Christianity been around and how cold and complacent we've gotten and how many people are not hearing the gospel because Christians have just become kind of comfortable? And what a sad thing it would be if Jesus looked down at our church, our churches in this world, and said, they're just blind, they're deaf, they're dumb. But you want to know? Revelation says, in the Laodicean church age, Jesus is going to say, you guys are just wretched, poor, blind, and naked. We have a message. As much as the Israel blew it and didn't share the, their plan of Jehovah throughout the years, we have a job to do. Go out and tell somebody about Jesus. It's not that hard. Yeah, the results are difficult, 
But is his word in your heart? Is it in your mouth? Go out and tell somebody about Jesus. Amen. Next week, we're going to look into Jesus grabbing these 12s and giving them some instructions about going out and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Okay, and we'll get some insight into it. It's not exactly the gospel of the resurrection of Christ yet because he's still alive. But they had a message to share, and so do we. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, I know this was an interesting passage because, again, Matthew's focus is not the church. They're not Christians. Matthew ends this uh, these discussion of these miracles picturing the fact that Israel is blind, they're deaf, they're dumb, they don't see. Matthew was trying his best to lay out this king of kings, the one, the son of David who came as Messiah. But Lord, you know what? We know the true Messiah. We have Jesus as our Savior. And the harvest is truly plenteous. Lord, I just pray that we can go out there and this week at some point share our faith, tell somebody about Jesus, open up and actually explain to somebody what the gospel is truly about. So, Father, thank you for this day. Lord, help us as we go downstairs and share together some food and some fellowship. Uh, Lord, be with us this week. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity to share your truth. In Jesus' name, amen.